Hey, 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 welcome to Unplug with Annie. It's me, Annie, and I want to ask you a really important question. What is stopping you from achieving your dreams? Unplug with Annie is all about hope and perseverance, how we can together work against everything that is holding us back from achieving our dreams, even if that thing includes us. I hope that you enjoy all the conversations. Don't forget to follow Unplug with Annie on IG and Facebook, and you can stay updated with everything Unplug on the website www.unplugwithannie.com. I love to say we need to leave everything on the dance floor that is life. I am rooting for you. My guest today is Gurmit Samra. Gurmit began his career in the world of creative arts in theatre and also after graduating in film and sociology, he went on to lecture television and film at university and college to students and he is extremely passionate about changing the lives of young people through creativity. He set up his own video production company in 2009 and his first short film titled Seven Reasons Why was selected for Cannes Film Festival Short Film Corner in 2013. He then went on to direct a feature film called Get Gone, which is currently on Amazon Prime. And we do talk about the possibility of a sequel coming up. He has relentlessly brought his visions to life on a number of projects. And for Gurmeet, he says that planning is key. So I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. Gurmeet Samra. Hey Gurmeet, welcome to Unplug with Annie. It's very cool to have you on. I know we've been talking about this for a while, so I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I've seen some of the work you've been doing and um, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Amazing. Well, I'm glad. That sounds good. <laughs> That's always good. I'd love to just start asking you a little bit about your journey. You're doing some really amazing things and I want to ask you how this kind of bug bit you for directing and, and producing and when that all started for you. It happened all by accident. I was studying computing at university and um, I remember I just I just absolutely hated it, but I just did it because it was a thing to do. You know, you fall into education, you end up getting a degree and you end up getting a job in something completely different. But at the same time, a friend of mine invited me Many moons ago, I used to model. So it, a friend of mine said to me, it would be great if you did some catwalk stuff as well, but you need to learn how to dance. An agency told me that. So uh, I said, okay, a local friend of mine is part of Trinity Warriors and what have you here in the Midlands. He, he invited me to a, draw, a TV, a TV um, a dance workshop. And a part of that, they had this theatre development, Black and Asian development, it's called BAD. And he was you come along to this, you're going to love it. I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I went along and I just found myself in this creative space with these people who were really talented and it was there that I really had a knack for storytelling that I'd make short plays short scripts and dialogues when things sound a bit off and I'd interject and there was this lady there called Shabs and she said to me what you what are you studying at university like I'm studying IT she goes forget about it you come to drama school with me in Manchester 
I knew that 99% of work uh, in actors were out of work at that time. This is the late 90s. And she goes, okay, if you're not going there, I, I said, no. She goes, if you're not going there, you can go to university and study these courses. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, film, TV production, sociology, because we talked at length. I never had that mentorship. I never had that guidance. So she was the first person to, to give it me. And I took on those courses and never looked back. And that's how I really started venturing into the whole producing and writing and directing world. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, we have a few similarities because I absolutely love sociology as well. So it's an interesting combination, isn't it? It is because, I mean, in one realm, you're learning about how TV and film is put together. But when you're learning about sociology and popular culture and what have you, you realise how and why societies and people are shaped the way they are, uh, you know, the discourses that affect them. And everyone has their own narrative in life. And it's interesting when those narratives are portrayed on screen. And I found those two worlds colliding quite fascinating. And that's really, that really becomes apparent in documentary filmmaking when you've got a story to tell about a subject, a people's, so to speak, or a community. And I think this is where sociology really plays a part because the way we are and the way we think has always been influenced by something. So the idea of, you know, for me, what fascinates me is the idea of being an individual and how that is challenged by everyday notions. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I, I mean, I have to ask you, obviously, being from a South Asian background, were there any kind of conflict or hesitancy for you to sort of enter this industry, like by family? Or what was that whole kind of situation like? Because, um, yeah. That's an interesting question because I come from a working class background and you know, my parents, they, they just wanted, I came up from the generation of your parents just want to see you do good and, and, and be healthy and live a good life and, and get a job and work. So being academic wasn't a big thing in my household, but there was no reservations. They're like, you know, what are you doing university? I'm doing IT. Oh, what are you doing university? Oh, I'm doing uh, theatre and film production. Oh, that's sweet. So it was whatever was keeping me occupied. But only later on in life, they would say to me, how does that make money? Why are you on TV? And why are people talking about your film? It's just really, it's interesting how those conversations come about because nobody had done, been in that space before me. And that generation, I'm a first generation here. My parents travelled here and I was born here. So there weren't many actors on television and film, film, as we'll talk about later on in this this episode. But yeah, there wasn't many of that. Uh, so they were like, which path are you following? You know, we know what a director, we know what a doctor does, we know what a, a mm-hmm. accountant does, but what, what path are you following? So there was no one who paved the way for me to follow that journey. So they were quite curious. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that. I know that I do uh, 100%. Sorry, sorry, did you study drama? Did you study drama? I did at Queen Mary's. It was drama sort of bracket performance, but... Obviously, at, at uni, it's, it's, you find it being a bit more theoretical, don't you, than practical at yeah. times, depending on the course. That's the only thing that I really missed. But that was an attempt to kind of find this this middle point to, like, please the yeah. parents, but also please myself, I guess, not yeah. go down the traditional route. So you produced and directed your first short called Seven Reasons Why. And I believe mm. that went to Cannes Short Form Corner, which is amazing. So congratulations yeah, on good. that. How was that process for you in terms of getting, when you decided to make that short, did you have it very clear in your mind that I know where I want it to go? I know what the objective is with this film. What was that process like? I think it's nice when 
you have like, okay, this is a film that's for film festivals or, you know, the more you learn about film, you know that your film falls in a category whether you need that international exposure or it's going to go straight to a streaming platform or it's going to go straight to, to cinema and what have you. This was a short film. So to learn more about film, it's nice to learn about film festivals and, and how the business is there. And Cannes Film Festival, for those people who don't know, is a film festival in the south of France. And it's one of the biggest film festivals in the world in the sense that people go there to buy films. So we had it in the short film corner, which was pretty cool. And, and a group of us went out there. I think we both have a common friend, Shiraz Ali. He had a short film out there and starring Amina. And there's a couple of other guys and, and you know, they kind of fell off, fell off. But me and Shiraz have been tight ever since, since Cannes. Oh, we go way back. But going there, it was an interesting experience because you realise how small the film industry is there and how much it attracts everything else or the partying or the lavish cars or the yachts and this glitz and glamour that it attracts. Um, so that was a massive eye-opener for me. But I also understood, I got to understand the film market as well because, you know, you get to showcase your film, but then you go, get to learn about the films that are being sold. And I remember I speak, speak to this one seller and, and, and he wouldn't engage with me. So, because he knew I was an upcoming filmmaker, probably didn't take me seriously. So what I did was I found this press badge and, and I put it on and I just walk around and I'll tell people that I was a blogger and there was a new thing and we're blogging about latest film. And then everybody spoke to me <laughs> and they were telling me about where they were from. They were telling me to catalog the films, tell me how it worked, uh, tell me what deals they had. And it, I really understood that these guys were just there, guys and girls, just pitching their films from all over the world, trying to find buyers. And, and that really helped me for when I, when I was producing uh, my doc first documentary that I made back in 2017. So Cannes was a big, big eye-opener. I saw one of my biggest idols there, Steven Spielberg. Um, and, and yeah, it, it was it was, it was was a show, once again, things are possible. Yeah, absolutely. That definitely must have been an experience. I like how you, mm. you touched upon something which I always find interesting to talk about, which is obviously understanding the business aspect as you mentioned you know understanding the purpose of festivals and how that serves you as well as a, as a director who's, who's making stuff but how mm. much of it do you enjoy because like I know as an actor the, the business aspect is like you know you just wish that you could just be a creative and focus on the acting but I'm sure it's the same as a filmmaker to some degree and then you also produce so as a producer then absolutely so talk a little bit about that I think there's that saying, isn't there? Become a jack of all trades, a master of none. But I believe that we're in a sphere, we're at a time in our lives, um, in, in popular culture, we're in, a, we're in a place where we can now take control of our destinies to some shape or form. You know, you're not an actor waiting on a producer or a casting agent anymore. You're not a a director having to wait for a producer to pick your story up. You're not a writer having to wait for somebody to make something for you. you we're in a space where we can learn how to do anything we want off YouTube. And I say to people, because I do a lot of university talks, I'm like, you know, when you're coming up, and I don't care if you're uh, 15, 25, 35, when you're coming up in this game before a big studio picks you up and, or a big streaming platform picks you up and says, we're going to show your film or what you're working on next, up until then, your motive should be about the creative and not about money. It should be about producing, connecting with 
uh, like-minded people, connecting with great voices, connecting with people who are going to lift your work up and better you. And in that respect, help you to produce the content you want. And I say to actors and actresses, you know, male, female actresses and uh, writers and directors, produce your own shit. Um, sorry, can I say that word on this podcast? Yeah, you can. Okay. Produce your own stuff. I produced my first TV commercial. I produced my first documentary. I produced my first short film, my uh, my first feature film. Nobody was going to come up and say, here, Kermit, what are you working on next? That doesn't happen. Um, and it's very wishful thinking because I met people very early on in my career who were waiting for that to happen. When I was out in L.A., I, I heard a lot of that and you know we, we sit in meetings in West Hollywood and people say oh I've got a script over to a producer just waiting to hear back from them or I'm looking to collaborate and they're like how about you and I'm like I was working on this 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 and this they're like how is that possible I goes because I'm producing it I'm making it happen and I think there's some sort of magic in that in the sense that you know you can't do it all that's why you've got to find a great team of people that you could trust and rely upon so I always say produce your own stuff yeah, and I think it's interesting, having spoken to, to quite a few guests last year as well, um, especially in the creative series I did called Ignite, there were a lot of people who said the same thing about producing your own work. And while that is so important, obviously you need to have the means to do that as well. So a lot of the, uh, I feel as a creative, there's a lot of pressure, right, to have already where, especially in the UK, there is a culture of, you know, you're a working actor, working writer, working director that might not be your full-time thing for a while. So you're doing other things for money, you're hustling, and then you have bills to pay, and then you need to produce your own work. So you need to invest that money in your work. So it's quite a lot to juggle for a lot of people, right? I'd say, yeah, i say you're right. i say it's important for up-and-coming creatives, um, actors, writers, producers, directors, to have jobs, to work in coffee shops, to work in restaurants, because... These are the jobs, like I was speaking to Cassie Bradshaw, um, she's a great actress, a great person, all-round person, and she talks about having four or five jobs in an actress, uh, as an actress, um, and she's with Curtis Brown now, but she talks about the importance of that, and it's something that, that we agreed upon, that is that you've got to have those jobs, because they shape you, you've got to know how lucky you are when you do land that big job, you've got to understand how lucky you are when you do get picked up by a studio and get to make 50 Marvel films. Those sort of jobs are character building. And those sort of jobs give you a bit of a pain as well. They give you a bit of a pain whereby they say to you, if you don't follow your passion, your dream, you're not in this 100%, this is what you could be doing for the rest, for the next 10, 20 years. And there's nothing wrong with working in a coffee shop in a retail outlet that it's a job it's respectable because like you said no matter what happens at the end of the day we've all got one thing in common that's to pay bills but ultimately I think you've just got to you've got to make a habit to work on your own hustle if you can wake up in the morning for a job and get there for this is what this is what baffles me as well sometimes people will wake up at eight o'clock an hour before their job they will they'll will travel to work clock in at nine they'll finish at three because they're working part-time and they'll just chill for the rest of the day now why can't you take that same sort of approach with your career or your passion why can't you wake up at nine o'clock in the morning pen and pad in hand turn the phone off and focus on your writing for six hours as you would in a coffee shop or in a restaurant or in a retail shop and i think what becomes apparent is that people are a product and they're a nature of their habits 
And you are, if you are looking to write or produce a direct, you have to make time for that like you would with whatever job you've got, you got going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love how you brought work ethic in it because it's, it's all about the mindset. And it's, it's not always easy to train your mind that way, right? It's about consistency day in, day out, build a new habit. Um, I know you're a fitness enthusiast as well like I completely am too so I know like fitting that in and and getting rid of those excuses is super important yeah talking a little bit about your work as a director what what vision is important to you what what are the essentials that are important to you when you're about to begin work on a new project and do you write your own work all the time and would you consider directing work written by somebody else first of all there's a few there's a few things that yeah I, i'm a religiously fit fitness fanatic and i've been doing it all my life i believe consistency is key and for me the only time i i never trained was when the run-up to making get gone now that was a massive regret which i'll never do it again because your body is your temple what you give it will it will give you back um and and you only have one body but it's like it releases those natural endorphins. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel better. And that gives you energy. And that energy allows you to do things like work a nine to five, hustle, work on your creativity, feel good. Um, because there is the there is mental awareness, uh, health awareness as well. So I know you know people can, especially creatives, they can fall into uh, an anxious or depressive state. You know, there's those sort of variables. And mental health is really important. But yes, I would produce and direct somebody else's writing if I felt passionate about it, if I knew the writer was passionate about it. If it reads well, there's no denying a great script. And, you know, you can't make a crap script. What's the saying? You can't make a scrap crap script great, but a great script you could do a bad job of, but the heart will still be there. The story will be there. The characters will be there. And whether you've shot it work bad or lit terribly or directed poor the, the the heart of the story you can't miss and that's why you get these really low budget films that do really well but for me I always write my own content and my content comes from real people I find I just find people fascinating and shops. I just think um yeah I, I just find people's stories their journeys I find that fascinating and that was the thing with Get Gone for me it was all about story first and even this development of Get Gone 2 a studio was asked, have you written Get Gone To? Can you write Get Gone To? Um, I never said yes straight away. I was like, I need to figure it out. I, I need to figure out if I can because I didn't want to plug a film if there wasn't there. And the more and more I delved into it and thought about it and scribbled it notes, I realised there was a story there. There could be a story there. And it's kind of slowly coming together. But I like to, my ideas come from many facets of life. I, I've sat with different people. I sit with different people. And, I, and that's where my stories come from. They're real people. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, you you've plugged in Get Gone, and I'd love for you to talk a bit more about Get Gone. So your movie Get Gone, it's a feature length film. It is on Amazon right now, which is incredible. Congratulations on that as well. Um, Thank you. Thank you for watching. Yeah, yeah, re- really exciting. Obviously, as I mean, as a filmmaker, obviously you've built up to this point, going now from a short to a feature length film. It's First, if you can just talk a bit about the challenges of that and how different that was. When you're making a short film, it's quite it's quite compact, it's quite tight because you've only got a number of scenes and you've got a few characters depending on your short film and you want to keep 
a connection to that character. So you want to follow that character through those scenes. And, and you might have two, three, four actors at the most telling that story, depending on your approach, by the way, and what kind of story you're telling. But so that's that's a short film. And, and that's nice. It's kind of compact. It's tight. It's, it is what it is. When you make a feature film, it's like spinning loads of plates. You've got so many actors, so many locations, so many variables. But it depends. It depends what your story is about. But the main thing is you're not keeping people for 15 minutes. You're going to keep them for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to keep it for an hour and 45 minutes, your story better be good. If you're going to keep it for two hours, your story has to be one of the most compelling stories ever to be told. If you're going to keep them for two hours, anything after two hours, you've got something to say. And I think a lot of problems people find now is when they watch two hour films, two hour plus films, it's not connecting with an audience. It very rarely kind of connect. Very rarely do you sit through a two and a half hour film and think, wow, that was amazing. You do think that could have been shorter. But for me, uh, making a a feature film, it was, I I always knew the vision because I I, I visualize, my my, my preference of learning style is visualization. So I storyboarded the whole film. I knew the characters, I knew the scenes. But my job as a a director was to make sure that consistency went throughout the whole film. Uh, And working with first time actors who'd done feature films, I think with the exception of one person on on the set, it was a challenge for me to make sure that these people bought the Ray game, these actors bought the Ray game and they did. And that's why the casting process was so important for me. We casted hundreds of people. The difference between a short film and a feature film is variables. And yeah, scripted as well. But then you've got things to, to safeguard you. You've got like, you can film the whole film on, on, on a mobile phone and go through it and watch it back. Does it work? There's techniques that you could do like George Lucas does and their storyboarding, does it work visually? But the script itself, have you got a good script editor on board? Yeah, because what you find is a lot of the times when people make feature films, there's a lot of cutting as well. Yeah, there's a lot of cutting. So a script editor will come in and say, look, you can put these two scenes together. And having a script editor is really vital because you'll save a lot of time, a lot of money. But the biggest difference is the variables, so many of them. And out of curiosity, how long did it take you? What was the period like from writing the film? How long did it take you to, to write? Till the inception of actually beginning to, to shoot so till probably pre-production yeah so writing writing is the easy part uh, for me writing is always the easy part I think it took me just under three months to write get gone I always do a first draft I keep that for myself I never let anyone see it then I do a second draft I keep that for myself I never let anyone see it <laughs> it's a third draft yeah you have to because you know, you saw out your spelling, you saw out your grammar, you saw out long-winded conversations, you saw out scene structure, you saw out so many things that, you know, you can't see. And I always show my third draft to people. And that's when the feedback comes in. But, I mean, the way I approached Get Gone was it was a true independent feature film. So that means I couldn't pay for script writers. I couldn't pay for script editors. And so I was just waiting on people in the industry, whether in uh, involved in TV production, whether involved in theatre, you know, whether involved in writing, to give me feedback. When that, write, when that feedback came in, the script has got tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And I think it wasn't until its sixth draft uh, I put the green light for getting the film you know, scheduling it in. And even that was a process in terms of getting investment in, finding a date, having heart palpitations. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's just a journey. It, it is a journey, but I felt confident after the sixth draft that we had something there. So it yeah. was, so, so about three months, then after the script writing, I think I finished that in May. And then from there, it was the following April that I begged, borrowed and pleaded to get investment in and 
film the following April, yeah. Mm, beg, borrowed, and pleaded. I love that. Definitely. Usually it's beg, borrow, and steal, but I don't steal, so I just begged, <laughs> borrowed, and, and pleaded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that because um, this show is all about kind of showing perseverance, and and that's what's needed to get it done. In a in a nutshell, could you just give us a little one or two liner of what Get Gone about and why people should watch it on Amazon? Get Gone. Um... Get Gone's a, crime, a British crime drama that I wrote, produced and directed. It's about a young man called Aaron who returns back to his old estate after you know, hearing about the death of his younger brother, Tom, who dies from a drugs overdose. Now his cousin Ryan is following in his footsteps and getting in with the wrong crowd. So what Aaron finds himself is in a predicament where he's having to revisit his old ways. So it is drugs, it is crime, it is the wrong kind of people, it is a race against the clock. Now, I think... One of the reasons why you should watch it is because you're never going to see the ending coming, which I love. Uh, nobody saw the ending coming, which I absolutely love. But it's, it's it's a story with heart. It's a story with a lot of heart. And as a creative, you could put something out and you could think it's the best thing in the world. Ultimately, the market decides, you know, the audience decides if it's good. And one thing that I've been blown away about with this film is that how people have connected to it, shared it, left reviews, and how the film is still travelling. I still get contacted by people across the country and America saying that they've enjoyed the film. So I've been blown away by the film's response. So watch it. You're never going to see the ending coming. And, um, you know, enjoy a British independent feature film. Yeah, great. Thanks for that. Um, I know you've you've dabbled a bit in theatre as well. And I wanted to ask, usually people have a bit of a preference, you know, theatre or film. It looks like film has got the upper hand for you. I I think it does for me as well. Um, But... Talk us a little bit about the experience you had in theatre and did you did you find yourself having to come to a point making that decision that this is the direction I want to go in and what influenced you to make that decision? I think if I went to drama school, I would have done a lot more theatre. Uh, but theatre is important. Theatre is where it all starts from for, for an actor. And uh, or an, when I say actor, I mean actor and actress. I just want to make that a bit clear. So <laughs> when, when an, an actor... You know, the, you get trained, you go to theatre, you do a lot of theatre. And theatre is important. Theatre is the backbone of film and TV production. All the best actors come from theatre and they do stage plays. They'll keep transitioning between the two. And the only reason why I went to film is because I never went on to drama school to become an actor. Uh, I don't think I'd have been a great actor. But mm-hmm. I think for me, I just I was just fascinated with the layers of film. I was fascinated with, with the shot type, the angle, the positioning the lighting, the mise-en-scene, the, the, the music, the sound design, uh, the choreography, the blocking, uh, the, the narrative, the, the comp- composition. There's so many different layers to film to make you feel a certain way about a, a shot. And then what happens to all those things when the camera moves? It's, it's, and for me, you don't get that in theatre. You do get a different type of magic from theatre. And I think theatre is important for every actor if you want to learn about what actors do, you need to go and watch theatre. And we had a few people that were from theatre in, in Get Gone. And I always say to them, I said, currently you're working at 100. Your performance, your casting right now is 100. Bring that down to like 5 10%, that performance magnitude, because whatever you do at 5 10% is going to look really big on camera. So you're not... You're not shouting or raising your voice to get heard by the person at the end of the auditorium. This is my camera is an extreme close-up. You don't need to do that. You don't need to raise your voice right now. But 
<laughs> it's the smallest of the movements that theatre captures. You know, it could be a look, it could be a gaze, it could be a glance, it could be a tilt of the head, it could be the swirl of a straw. It's those close-ups you'll never capture in theatre, but you do capture in film. But again, theatre is important. And if you, for any up-and-coming actor, you should, I'd massively encourage getting involved in theatre plays just to understand the the art, the the art of the art of acting. That's where it stems from. So. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Couldn't agree with you more. It's it's so fascinating to me how they're part of the same umbrella almost, but so different. As you said, each each medium has such a different demand for everyone, actually, for everyone involved. And I think film, yeah, it's it's so incredible how all the components come together. How you know, even the job of the editor and the music and all of these things need to come together to create that final product and and magic. Um, what kind of stories do you want to tell then? What stories are you drawn to for the future? And what kind of stuff do you like writing? Anything where the story has a lot of heart, uh, anything with a humanistic approach. And that then for me means I can make anything. I can make a sci-fi, I can make a horror, I can make a thriller, I can make a, a romantic comedy, I can make anything that's got heart to it. Right, good writing is good writing. I think no matter what context you put that in, if you look at Danny Boyle's work, um, he's done everything from sci-fi to Slumdog Millionaire to to to, to you know, Shallow Grave. And it, you've got so many different types of uh, genres that you can work in. But for me, it's all about story and great storytelling you can't escape from. So for me, I'm open to everything. Mm. Um, I think Get Gone was testament to what we could do with a small budget set on an estate uh, Get Gone 2 is slightly bigger than that. Uh, we go to the city of Manchester for that. But again, you know, I have ideas for a drama piece. It's quite, you know, it's got some black comedy in there. I've got an idea for a sci-fi film. I've got an idea for a thriller uh, slash horror. There's so many things in development right now that, that we have. And then also there's a documentary subject themes that uh, we're looking to develop uh, within within the region or nationally as well so there's a handful of projects at various stages of development and some of them are from different genres but it's just nice to be in a position to work with engaging stories I think that's the most important thing to create yeah. an engaging story yeah yeah so it's that yeah it sounds like your hands are full lots lots in the works lots to look forward to that's that's awesome yeah and, and I feel I don't say that lightly I feel blessed to be doing it I feel like get goals testament to what is possible what we could do with 100k now imagine what we could do with a million imagine what we could do with five million you know if you fail to plan you plan to fail and I and I think in that respect it's, it's about what you can bring to the table I've been in that position where a lot of studios and channels have ghosted me but having got get gone out it's you know you do get a phone call from a studio you do get a phone call from a tv channel and you do have that meeting and you do get to explain how and why get gone was the way it was and but ultimately, like I said, the market decides. And I think that's been the most rewarding and blessed thing for me to be able to get an audience to watch it, like it and share it. I think that is powerful. And that has been the topic of, of conversations with a lot of a lot of these um, players that I'm talking to at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And it, I think you touched upon it earlier as well when we were talking about cans, that, you know, you go and you see the glitz and the glamour, but... There's a lot of hard work behind all of that. And even to get to this this place where you have a lot more liberty, right? And the choices you make and, and a lot more access to people you potentially didn't have at the beginning. 
I like to just touch a little bit upon mental health because I think that's so important as well and this profession obviously demands a lot from us so what is one thing or what a couple of things if you'd like to share that you do to kind of unplug you know switch off from the work because obviously it's not like a nine to five right when you're in this industry your brain is constantly ticking and uh, you're you're constantly going I don't think it ever really stops at least not for me so it's actually hard for me to to switch off what are some of the things you do? I train, I uh, do weights, I box, I've done that for a number of years, uh, taking yoga up for the past two years, which has been an absolute game changer. Right. Uh, I meditate, I practice meditation, uh, which is important, but I like long walks. I haven't been able to travel, I used to be an avid traveller before this whole COVID and pandemic thing. But for me, it's just reading good books, taking time off. I think one of the problems I had is is stopping sometimes sometimes you've got I've learned a valuable lesson this these past few years and that's sometimes you've got to in order to go fast you need to go slow and there's this great book that I started reading about peak performance and I thought it was going to be like wake up at five o'clock or run through a brick wall and swim a, 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 a sea but it was on about rest time it the 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 book is about in order to reach a peak performance it's about rest time mm-hmm. and and that's what I do too to unwind now I do things that I enjoy doing because you got to think long game I think I posted something the day with Gary Vee on my social media and it's like people in their 20s and 30s in such a rush like I was to, to get it done because as well as this, I've run an agency where we make commercials and adverts and promos and I just, you can't take shit too seriously. You really can't. When someone doesn't like your work or someone passes on it or someone says you're a shit writer, producer, director, it's cool. Everyone's titled to an opinion. I was told that nobody was going to, an audience would not connect with Get Gone, I was told that I shouldn't even write. And this was by a pretty prolific distributor. But when Get Gone came out on Amazon, I really wanted to call him and say, ha, but <laughs> but I just, you know, again, that's one person's opinion. But for me, it just head down, I've got work to do because I'm taking really, really small steps on a, on a very long journey. And I think having that realization. But another thing, you got to, if you're a writer, producer, director or an actor, you got to love what you do. If you never ever make it into the industry, you just gotta have that appreciation that you brought something into the world out of nothing, and that was a thought in your head. And I think, you know, you gotta practice gratitude every day as well, uh, above and beyond our creative endeavors. Some people in the world don't even get a chance to write, produce, and direct because they're too busy trying to find water or feed their families or they're uh, trying to evade bombings and what have you. So, I think. First and foremost, I'd say gratitude, practicing gratitude every day, understanding how lucky you are if you are in the Western world and you have got clean water and a roof over your head and, and what have you. But don't feel pressured by time as well. Everything is right time. So create good habits. And yeah, but some of the things that I, I, I tend to lean on every day. Yeah, yeah, amazing. I, I think you said a whole bunch of really important stuff there. Um, yeah, you said it perfectly. And I, I love how you're... you're you also brought up the the idea that you know take things slow and everything has it as a time as well. I think we forget that in the rat race, you know. So it's great to remember that and obviously be grateful as well. The last question I have for you, Grimmy, is, is if you were not if you were actually what what unique imprint do you want to leave in the world? What's your legacy? What's that mantra? Whatever it is that you work towards or aspire and want to kind of leave behind that's a pretty loaded question 
I think just to know that anything is possible. I'm probably reiterating a lot of the 10,000 self-help books I've, I've, I've read. Um, I just think anything is possible. But there's so many things that you've, you've got to do. I think any legacy that I leave behind is just the chance that, you know, someone looks up and, you know, to be able to inspire somebody else to say, hey, if that person can do it, I can do it. And, you know, it's not that difficult to do, but I'm going to work my ass off like that guy did. It's, you know, it's just nice. It's because I get, I get, I tell, I tell students that when I do talks across the UK universities, I always say students, contact me if you've got a question because we're now in a position because when I was coming up, I didn't have no one to ask these questions to. So, you know, yourself as an actress and, and producing work, and we're in a position where somebody connects with us and has a question, we have a responsibility to answer it. And, and I always say that if you can inspire at least one person to follow the dream, and then it sounds like a cliche, but if you can, you just don't know where that person is going to go and what opportunities they're going to provide for somebody else. So I think my legacy, irrespective of the work that I am going to produce and will produce, is just to, just to help inspire people. And above all, just, just let them know that, you know, look, we're here for a second. And if we can help somebody else on their journey, as well as getting to where we're going to get to, then we're already winning. And I think just to reiterate that, just to keep reiterating that, that, that message that um, you get further by helping other people as well. Yeah, love it. Love it. Yeah, it is all but a blink, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it is. It is. It really is. And I think I think sometimes we take ourselves again, the pandemic showed us something. Uh, sorry, just to interject that I think the pandemic showed us something that having the right people around us is important. Having the right voices is important. And I think, you know, mental health is a big, it's a big subject matter. And I've suffered from it as well. And I, and I see a therapist and, and, and that's important. And it's a bit taboo in the South Asian community to, community to see a therapist. But I think, you know, I see a therapist because I need someone to check me on my shit. And that is so important because mm. your friends, your family are going to have a biased point of view towards you. But it's nice to sit down and vent with someone about, you know, three areas in life that affect you and that's health, wealth and relationships. So I think mental health is important, but I'd say to anybody who is listening to this, do stuff that makes you happy. Don't take yourself too seriously and just, just try and have good voices around you. Mm, yeah, no, thank, thanks so much for sharing that because I think that's really an act of self-love as well, you know, seeking, seeking the support that you want and I'm definitely big on self-love. So Thanks for sharing that. It was so good to speak to you, Gurmeet. I really appreciate yes. you. I value your time. I love the work you're doing. I love the, the, the reason why, let me, let me pick you up a second here. The reason why I liked connecting with you is because for the longest time, I've had actors tell me, gee, what should I do next? How should I get my work out there? I'm a passionate actor. And I'm like, show me. When I go on your Instagram, show me. When you're, if you're, that's, that's, where, that's your space. When I see your profile, where is your acting showreels? Where's your monologues? Where's your... And, and when I saw your profile and we first connected, you were just putting your monologues on there. You were doing <laughs> some funky stuff. You were doing some accent stuff. You were arguing with someone. And you don't understand how much I respect your craft by doing that. Now, and somebody else who did that was Cassie, Brad, Brad, you know, Cassie, Cassie Bradley. And, and, and the reason why it's so important is because everyone's under this idea that, oh, I can't put my monologues on there because my agent might frown on it. Listen, your agent doesn't give a shit right now because your agent is trying to juggle 15 other people. But there is some sort of casting agent out there. There is some director, producer out there who's coming up, who is procrastinating. I don't give a shit how busy you are. Everyone's 
scrolling on Instagram and they're going to come yeah. across your profile and think you're great for a role. So if somebody says to me, gee, you know, some from the South Asian community who, who could play this kind of role, I'll say, watch your Ganesha's work. Here's a, here's a show straight off the bat. And, and that's what, that's why I really applaud what you do. You just go in there and you just you put these monologues <laughs> up and I think they're great. I'm, I'm a fan of your work. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's always nice to hear that, right? I don't think any of us really know what we're doing. We just kind of, we do what we have to do and you hope that, yeah, leave, leave the rest to, to, to destiny. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And it was so great talking to you. Lovely to hear more about what you're doing. Get Gone To sounds super exciting. So you must be kicked to that. If you haven't seen the first one, it's on Amazon Prime. Give it a watch. Uh, you definitely won't regret it. And yeah, hopefully we will have you back on in the near future and have a chat about that one. To, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Thank you so much for having me on, Nisha. I really appreciate your time. That's it from me today on Unplug with Annie. Until next time, remember you can stay tuned with everything Unplug on www.unplugwithannie.com. I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite quotes from Mandy Hale. You'll learn as you get older that rules are made to be broken. Be bold enough to live life on your terms and never ever apologize for it. Go against the grain, refuse to conform, Take the road less traveled instead of the well-beaten path. Laugh in the face of adversity and leap before you look. Dance as though everybody is watching. March to the beat of your own drummer and stubbornly refuse to fit in.